Hi guys, welcome to the EFI Fitness Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about um, myths. So we've got two myths and I'm joined by a fellow coach, Chelsea, who we're going to talk about why lifting weights isn't going to make you bulky and we're going to talk about how you aren't, le- lose, you aren't losing weight because you're eating too little. All right, so basically starvation mode. Um, so hope these work well for you. hope you learned something. And um, if you have any questions, just give me a shout. Now, the first one that we're going to chat about, and I think it's something that a lot of women misconstrued, is around women getting bulky when they weight train. So, Paul, did you want to start off on that one? Um, hello. Um, obviously, like I think both our demographics are very similar, right, in terms of probably a lot of females that we train. Um, and I think... There's always been that. I don't know where it. I don't know where it actually comes from. The whole sh- you shouldn't lift weights as a woman. Do you know where it came from? Probably still in the world. I might be making a guess here, but obviously back in the olden days, I feel like there the was a. Days. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Days. Yeah, pretty much. Now maybe it's like because back in the olden days, obviously men and women, I felt like had two very different roles in life like maybe professionally and personally. And there was definitely things that I think now I'm just take, this is just my opinion on it. Um, I think there was definitely things that obviously men thought that they should do. And then they thought that women should do differently. Now, maybe it, it could stem from the fact that, you know, back in the day, if men were training weights, they didn't feel like women should be in the gym training weights. And that's just a completely guess on my part, but it could potentially stem back from something like that. Uh, and also the fact that, like, I think when women think about, like, men going to the gym, obviously you see some men who may look muscly, they're worried about that if they go and do the same thing as the men do, then they'll create those same muscles. But what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I think most of it probably stems from, like, the 70s and 80s because that was the whole fitness industry for for females or directed at females was classes and Mr. Motivator and sort of your step videos on a VHS or DVDs and things like that. And everything was about keeping lean and sweating and burning calories. And then like there's probably a naivety or a lack of education around the processes that me and yourself probably take for granted in terms of like, well, we know that a female can't build as much muscle as a male because of the testosterone levels. And if, like, it's, if you've never been taught that, you're never going to know that. Yeah, true. So, so some girls probably look, like you said, look at someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, he's big. <laughs> I don't want to look that. Do you know what I mean? And like with the naivety of one, his starting testosterone levels are going to be stupid high because he was genetically a freak mm. and then of all of the other pharmaceuticals he probably pumped into his body so it is it is that naivety that lack of education essentially and i think it is starting to change though it is it is thankfully yeah i see a lot more females training in the weight section than i have pre over previous years mm. you're right though i think and i guess if you know the I guess the message back you know I keep saying back in the day so that's what I'm going to refer to it as 
like when you know my mum was young like it was to be skinny it was to lose weight it was all about restricting food and loads of exercise because the ideal body shape was to be skinny to be thin you know and I guess if that is the message that's constantly getting like put in your face then why wouldn't you believe it especially if you know there's tons of people around you that you know but even like celebrities and people that you potentially look up to are doing those things and apparently they're achieving these results that they're super super happy about like why why wouldn't you listen and do those things and take on that message and believe them so and I guess that's just bloody media anyway you know we, we too many people believe what the media says in this day social media when it doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually true yeah and I think it's a naivety from from us as well because I think we we somewhat we somewhat take for granted the education that we've got and the exposure that we have. So, like my social media has very very few fitness people on there, and the few fitness people I have on there have been filtered and cultivated over the last six seven eight years of me one probably being triggered by people and mm-hmm. two knowing what's good information what's bad information like where what reputable sources have I got and that's who are on my feed now and it's a naivety from us to be like well if I see that everybody must see that mm. when it's a personal social media so my Instagram is me is me it's cultivated to me the cookies will be targeted towards me I'll get ads about certain things that I like whereas like the people that we train probably follow Joe Wicks and Dr. Michael Mosley was an absolute bell end on the TV. And um, they probably listen to Die of a Series CEO and be like, oh, Tim Spector knows loads about nutrition. When in all honesty, he probably knows a lot about nutrition, but his practical advice is absolute garbage. Mm. So I think that's where the divide is. And that's why we can be like, you're never going to get bulky, don't worry. And they're like, but I'm going to get bulky. I think like, yeah, it's for us, we know that it won't happen for our, you know, female clients. And it's, it's easy for us to say, no, it won't happen. But you can't, we can't just say that because they won't believe it. Like, I feel like we need to make a conscious effort of showing them why it's not going to happen and the immense benefits of actually weight training, like what it can do to their life. So like trying to put it in a way where they believe you and understand is so important because now I know I've done it before. Like I've instantly, you know, someone says, oh, I don't want to get bulky and share. I'm like, no, you won't. But if I believed in something and someone just said, no, you won't and didn't give me any reasoning or kind of any backup to it, I'm like, well, I'm probably won't take that. I might say, oh, okay. But internally I won't actually fully believe what they're saying until you know, I kind of see a bit of ba- like a, a background information or a bit of proof yeah. that this isn't going to happen if I weight train X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So it's almost on us as well to be like, no, you work because. Yeah. So someone comes to you and says, oh, I want to, I want to lose weight and I, but I don't want to get bulky. What do you say? I think it depends on the person. Um, and I, and I guess their relationship with the, the gym, I try and identify the benefits that they will get from weight training, as opposed to trying to convince them that they won't get bulky. And I think with women, they have this idea of wanting to be toned, but they don't understand what toned means. And toned means that you do have definition in your body. 
you know you have definition in your muscles you might have a slightly lower body fat percentage but at the end of the day tone means you do have muscle definition so i think trying to explain what like tone means because i think a lot of women use that but they don't know what that means but they they know what it looks like and that's what they want to look like i think that's super important um with a lot of my clients i just really try try and drill into them the benefits that they will see and a lot of the times i do have to ask them to trust me and trust the process and i know that can often be quite hard um but i also like to point out their wins in the gym do you know what i mean i have tons of clients who never used to lift weights and originally was scared of lifting weights because they did think they would get bulky um after explaining what tone means because normally that's a lot of their goals they felt a little bit more at ease because they could understand like what toned was and it was a fact of having to build a bit of muscle um it's it's a difficult one to try and convince people of until they actually get in and they do some of the work and they realize that building muscle is freaking hard <laughs> like do you know what I mean I've been training for freaking 10 years you've been training for a long time like I want bigger muscles I really do but it takes a lot of hard work what yeah, how, think, how would you explain it so if someone came if so i used to be of the of the inclination that if someone came to me and said i, I don't want to be bulky i would usually say i've been trying to be bulky for about 10 years or x more years and i'm still not i'm still not there mm. and then you get a little bit of a giggle and it sort of disarms them a little bit <clears throat> and access like gives you the access to them and be like oh well actually like if you want to turn up in quotation marks like you are going to get bulky at some point like but you're bulky and my bulky two different things so like to me if a client of mine put muscle on and looked better for it i'd be like you look brilliant like like you're strong you're fast you're mobile and you're hitting your pbs and they're like oh yeah but like my arms have got bigger but they don't look more defined things like that and i think the biggest barrier to us getting females to weight train who don't want to be bulky and want to turn up is the fact that at some point when they build muscle, because they can't reduce spot, they can't reduce fat in certain areas. For example, if they do loads of squats, which girls always want to do, mm. and build more muscle around their quadriceps, their hamstrings, their glutes, their legs are going to get bigger. But they're not going to instantly get leaner at the same time. Mm. Uh, they might put on a dress size around the hips before they lose anything because they've built muscle and the fat storage around those areas is still going to be the same size. So the legs are going to get bigger. Mm. Yeah, they're going to see the other benefits, like the more powerful, the stronger, they're able to crush the man's skull, whatever they, whatever they do on a Saturday night. But what they also need to realise is that you things usually get worse before they get better. Yeah. Like if you strip, if you said if someone comes to you, oh, I want to be able to squat. Usually, that means they can't currently squat, so their form is going to get worse before it gets better because you have, or their weights they're lifting they're going to get worse before it gets better because you're going to have to strip it back down to a bar or body weight or a goblet, something like that, so they can actually get the mechanics to actually build off it, mm. rather than heels coming off the floor, half repping. 60 kilos yeah I think 
because I have had clients before where they think their legs are big or, do you know what I mean? They don't want to get, like, they think their quads are already too big, so they don't want to grow them. And it's quite hard to try and convince them that, like, not to pinpoint or what am I trying to say here? Like you said, it does, it does get worse before it gets better. And I suppose in that instance, like if there's like, I, I believe that all body parts and I'm sure you do should be trained because you want to maintain muscle, you want to maintain strength. But I guess in that regards, if they were worried about a particular area getting too muscly or too big, then they could potentially not train it as much as other areas what do yeah. you what like what would you suggest in that instance so you've got to be a bit savvy i think with with some with some exercises so if a client came to me and like every client i've ever had will always point out a specific area that they either want to train or don't train mm. they might say to me i don't like training squats or i love training bench press or i love training my glutes so what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that the exercise that we're putting in for the things that they like are going to target the stuff that they're doing as well. Yeah. So for example, if someone said to me, oh, I love squatting, but I hate shoulder press. All right, well, fuck it. Let's do a squat thruster. Mm, yeah. Or let's do a, like a front rack step up <laughs> so that they're still training the stuff that they don't, they don't like. Mm. The focus isn't on that. It's on the things that they do like. And I think it gives people the access to the exercise because I think too often people are like, oh, well, what are you going to do for your, sh- your shoulders? Shoulder press. Yeah. What are you going to do for your quads? Squat. And like, if someone doesn't have the mechanics to squat or doesn't like squatting, they're probably just not going to train it. And you've got to think about the benefits of a squat pattern as, that are beyond just muscle be- muscle building. Mm. I mean. I think, yeah, like... <sighs> Because a lot of women will opt for cardio over weights, particularly for this reason. And to me, like cardio has its time and its place, but it just it just burns calories. Do you know what I mean? You can lose weight, whereas lifting weights has both benefits and getting stronger, creating definition of the body, getting toned, but also having the opportunity to lose weight, I think is a, a far more effective way. Because as we spoke about, like, I do think a lot of women like think they just want to lose weight, but they actually want to get toned. Um, and building lean muscle, I think, makes you feel better in the things you wear as well. So it's not a case of just getting skinny like in the olden days. You know, lean muscle allows you to lose that fat, but it also allows you just to create that feminine shape. And a lot of women follow social media accounts or watch TV, and they will look at women and think, you know, that that that's the type of body I would I would like to have. And nine times out of ten, that body that that person has has come from training weights. So it's – I do think in this day and age we are getting better and more women are becoming more comfortable getting in the gym and lifting weights. And I think it's freaking incredible because not just from a fat loss point of view of building muscle, but I think when you get in the gym and you start lifting weights that maybe you once never did, it gives you this freaking sense of self-achievement, self-accomplishment, and, like, you think – shit, I wasn't able to do this at one point or I thought I would never, like this would never be possible and now I have, I think it will have a knock-on effect, a positive knock-on effect to other areas of your life as well. Yeah, it's empowering, isn't it? Like, And like coming back to the whole 
social media kind of kind of vibe. Um, if you look at your people like your Kim Kardashians, your Ellie Goulding, Gemma Atkinson, they have personal friends. All right, all right, yeah, they've got the money to be able to go. Ah, oh, yes, sweet, here's X amount. Come to my private gym and and train me five days a week. But they will train works. Mm. Like yes, Kim Kardashian has had a shit ton of work done, right? I don't think anybody's going to be naive enough to be like, no shame. All right, and she looks horrific. I don't. I like, in my personal opinion, she looks vile. <laughs> and I can say that because she ain't going to sit me because she ain't going to listen to this, and nobody gives a fuck, right? But her body, regardless of all the work done, is still a toned, muscular body. Mm. She trains so often. Yes, she has the time. Yes, she has the access. Yes, she doesn't have all the barriers that the people we train do, but she still trains. So people will come come to us and be like, I want to look like X. Insert popular celebrity at the time. Right? And it's like, yes, you do realize that these people lift weights. And I've probably lifted weights for quite a significant period of time because their job is to look good. Mm, really I think that's, it's, it's mistakes like that that people make. It's like, well, your job is to um, look after your kids, um, be a nice human being, um, go to work, look after your dog. Their job is none of those things because they probably have a nanny. They probably have a dog walker. They have a personal trainer. They don't work because their work is just to look good. Mm. People throw money at them. And I think the social media influence obviously gives people this sense of, oh, I want to go like them. And then social media will portray it as oh, all they do is run. All they do is eat salads. All they do is um, have Botox, have liposuction. And it's like... Um, it's where the people that have to sort of pick up the crumbs of that, and it's like, oh. I know, and it can be hard, very hard. And I think it's also important to understand that everybody, th- their bodies react differently to weight training. Like you might want to have the body like fucking Kim Kardashian, but you may never have the body like Kim Kardashian just because of how it's made up, and that's absolutely okay. And, and like it's coming away from because I think. When you go in trying to train to look like someone who you possibly, well, very highly you won't, you I don't think you're going to achieve the, the results. And then because you're not achieving the results, you're going to get demotivated and then you think, well, this shit's not worth it. And the reality is like every single person's different. Our bodies are different. We react differently to training. You know, for instance, I wish I had bigger bloody quads. I wish my quads would grow, but they don't. Whereas for some women that's an area where they just naturally have bigger quads. And I think it's important to recognize that your body is your body. You don't have to try and make it look like someone else's because you won't. And if you spend your whole life bloody trying to do that, you'll become, or you will already be really, really unhappy trying to be someone else is what there was a Taylor Swift song. It's like, get to know someone you've never met. (laughs) And it's, it's true because I think, I would say 90% of the females that I train look at themselves and have a poor body image, a poor relationship with themselves. And the best thing you can do is love yourself. Like if you love yourself, 
But if you don't love yourself, nobody can love you properly because you're not vulnerable enough to let them. So you have to sort of just accept you for you, accept that you're going to the gym, you eat in healthfully, you having a social life, you're doing all <laughs> these all these things that you know good for you is actually self-improvement and self-love mm-hmm. rather than the mindset of, all right, well, I've gone to the gym on Monday because I over on Sunday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it's getting people out of that mindset. And I think a lot of this, sort of on a massive tangent away from sort of women looking bulky, yeah, a, lot of it comes, like, a lot of it comes from your environment. Like, mm-hmm. what do you expose yourself to? Like, who are the people around you? Are there people that are sort of helping you go to the gym? Are they the people that are keeping you accountable? Are they the people that are trying to get you to go out and get smashed? Are they ordering takeaways around you? Like, your environment has such a massive play. So, whilst whilst that's not inherently going to make you turned or bulky, but if you set that down, have that self-love, then you might actually realise that you going to the gym and training it's kind of irrelevant if you get bulky or not. Yeah, because you get you're bulky, like, all oh, right, well, this has caused me to get a bulky. I kind of feel like I'm too big. And then you'd be like, ah, oh, you get in touch with yourself or me. Or someone else and be like, actually, like, I feel like I've just got a little bit too big. I feel like my muscles, I feel like I'm strong. I feel empowered. I like going to the gym. I like doing X, Y, and Z. But I don't want to get any bigger. How do I do that? Mm. And it gives you, gives you access. And you've got to think that everything we do as human beings is intertwined. So it's not just about going to the gym and training. It's going to the gym, and, going to the gym training, and then recovering, then eating properly, and then not being influenced by negativity from other people yeah and I think that's what you know going to the gym and training like it's it's not just surface level for some people they their original goal the only reason they're going to the gym to train weights could be because they think they need to lose weight but if you have a right coach or you get the right education or you learn from the right people you soon realize that going to the gym it's amazing but like if you go to the gym and you exercise nine times out of 10, you're going to feel like you want to eat a healthy breakfast. So you want to eat a healthy lunch. And then because you've gone to the gym and you've had a healthy lunch, you think, well, maybe I'll go for a walk or, you know, maybe because I'm feeling this good from feeling like I'm on track, I'll try this again tomorrow. So like you said, it's all intertwined. It's not just about going to the gym and training weights. Like I 100% believe like for me right now, I'll go to the gym I don't have a goal at the moment, but I go to the gym because it makes me feel better mentally. If I'm feeling like shit, I will force myself to the gym because I know when I finish that session, I will feel just 1% better. And 1% better is better than no percent. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And you probably only beat yourself up about not going to the gym so you actually feel worse. Exactly. So, so, yeah. so to summarize, women getting bulky. You don't have enough testosterone to get bulky. In terms of like huge bulking, so yeah. the perceptions that women have when they come, in terms of oh, the one like Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, and things will probably get bigger before they get smaller when you do start weight training because you cannot spot reduce fat. So, I think the overall thing is go and weight train, empower yourself, enjoy it, and just be a badass. Then. Like if you feel like you've gone too far in one, one respect, then you sort of, you reassess and go again. And it's all about that reflection as well. I agree. And I think the benefits of weight training and when you actually realize that 
far outweigh this thought of if I start weight training, I'll get bulky. So sometimes you just got to trust the bloody process. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we're going to move on to starvation mode. Yes. So Charles, talk to me about starvation mode. So I guess this is a point that I also had in it. Again, I think it comes from back in the day where there was this idea of less is more and the only way to achieve the results and ultimately be happy was by restricting food to the extent where you were fucking miserable, pretty much. Um, To me, food is life. Like, I get so much freaking happiness from food, probably more than people, to be honest which sounds a bit crazy, but I think we're we're trying to come away from the idea that in order to get results and be happy, that you have to restrict food, you have to cut foods out of your diet, you have to be miserable in dieting, and I just don't think it's the case. And hopefully with more coaches like us, we can get the message across that actually fueling your body and not punishing your body is actually the right way forward because I think a lot of people – the intention behind the action is often fucking negative. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you'll might have a massive weekend, just say, uh, food, or if you go out and have some drinks, Monday morning, the blues come around, you think, shit, I need to get back on track. And your first, your first like reaction is right. I need to restrict calories. I need to starve myself in order to gain back what I've just put on. And that is not the right mindset. When you're coming from a place of punishment, nothing's going to work. No. It might work for a day or two, but longevity, it, it ain't happening. But when you come from a place of nourishment and you think, right, this is what I've done the weekend. I need to look at foods that I know are going to make me feel better. It makes a fucking hell of a difference. Just swore quite a lot there. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. So obviously like, the whole mentality behind dieting obviously does come from that yo-yo kind of style. And obviously it comes back to the good old days that we spoke about at the start where in the 70s and 80s, it was just about being skinny and things like that. So like what, so the, I think the perception behind starvation mode is that like this will happen. Like the yo-yo style that you've just described will happen. And people kind of very have, they have like very short memories that they like, uh, well, I've been starving myself. Like I'm on twelve hundred calories. I've been on twelve hundred calories for six months. I'm a weight stalled. Like I'm not losing weight. Like completely disregarding the fact that on a Saturday they get absolutely leathered, <laughs> um, and they're having three thousand calories in alcohol, pizza, donut kebabs, and whatnot. Like shots from a belly button kind of issues. So, like starvation mode. Like the whole theory behind starvation mode actually does. Like when you think about it, like it kind of makes sense, really. Um, or you can sort of logically see sense within it. So salvation mode itself is all about um, how a complete restriction of calories means that your body holds on to everything you eat afterwards so because it doesn't know when it's next going to eat. If you think back to the good old days plus some, <laughs> back to the hunter-gatherers where we like we actually had to go run after our food and stuff and you didn't actually know when the next meal was coming, You can, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, true. But in theory, it doesn't work like that. So if 
these people haven't been on a um, on a weekend bender pretty much every week, or they haven't had these all all these little small snacks that they tend to tend to eat. So the leftovers of the kids' meals, the snacks that they definitely don't count because they're not very much, the liquid calories that they're probably drinking, um, all the other stuff that the they just mindlessly consume on top of the total calories that they actually record. Like, what is actually happening? Are you... That's an actual question to you, Chelsea. What is actually happening? Yeah, so why are they not losing weight, even though they're only recording 1,200 calories? Because it's not 400 calories, or it's not 1,200 calories. It's... And this is, this is a thing, like... Do you think it's, like, them unconsciously not wanting to admit that they're actually not eating... 1200 calories even though they think they're eating or they generally don't think that all these other little things they're having outside of that count towards their calorie intake i i think it's a complete um how do i explain this so for, for me i think it's it's because people they will track their food right and how many people have you trained where they're like, oh, yeah, I track it at the end of the day. And it's like, oh, right, okay. But that cream egg you got at the petrol station didn't go in. Like the, uh, the can of monster that you had didn't go in. Oh, it's liquid, wasn't it? So oh, it doesn't count. That frappuccino that you got that was 700 calories at Starbucks, that didn't go in. So I think it is a naivety to the the client or the, or the person in terms of like how they should be tracking obviously there's, there's there are errors in tracking there are errors in my fitness pal but the big the most common thing that i see and we've all fallen for this at some point is because it's higher calorie we just don't track it yeah because we perceive it as bad we don't track it so that like if we have i don't know a chocolate bar it's like can't put that in because they already preconceive the negative energy that they'll get from seeing some of those numbers get higher. So you have a chocolate bar and you see your fat goal go above your fat your sorry your fat goal go to the minus. You're like, fuck's sake, I fucked it. And this is the 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 whole ah oh, fucked it. So I might as well just go and fuck all of it. Yeah, so true. Right, I've got four, I've I've got a flat tire. I'm gonna just pop off all the rest of them because fuck it. I need to walk and. Obviously, there are other reasons behind starvation mode and stuff like that. But the main thing I see when people come to me and say, I think I'm in starvation mode. You're just overeating. You just don't know that you're overeating. Mm. Or you do, and you're literally just playing, like you're feigning ignorance towards it because ignorance is bliss. And you're in this real happy bubble because you have 1,200 calories a day that you track. And you don't track through the 900. I wonder why, because a lot of people even that come to me, like they'll say, or even in, like just women I speak to on social media, they'll say, I'm just following 1200 calories. And I often say like, like why? Do you know what I mean? Like, where did you, how come you're following that number? What made you believe that that was the right number? A lot of people do say my fitness pal spits out, I don't know, some load of calories, which I don't believe is correct anyway, because they have to put some details in. But I think people just pick a random number and think, all right, 1,200 calories sounds all right. But in reality, it might it's, it might not be the right amount of calories for them as an individual because they haven't, you know, taken into consideration all this other stuff. But then also it's like if they 
say they're, they're tracking 1200 calories and they feel like they're doing everything they can, but they're not losing weight. But then secretly they know that they're actually not tracking their calories properly and they're going over. Like, how can you m try and get them out of that mindset? Do you know what I mean? Like, how can we, because I completely understand, you know, when you do something shit or you make a mistake, like you don't want to make yourself feel bad, do you? So no, I can understand why they, you know, someone wouldn't track a um, chocolate bar. But then on the other hand, I don't understand why they know that they haven't tracked it. And like secretly they do know that they're not actually sticking to the calories, but they think they are. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I like that's, I mean, everyone's so individual. Mindset is individual, but like if I knew I wasn't actually doing something, I, I just wouldn't be able to say, I know I'm doing absolutely everything I can because it, secretly I know I'm not. And especially if you're working with a coach as well, like you're paying them money to help you. But if, I guess, if you're not being honest with them about your situation, like they'll never be able to help you achieve the results you want to achieve. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's helped by social media. Mm. I, hate, I don't like social media, just an FYI. I have to use it for work, but I hate social media. So like if you Google starvation mode, all right, it will literally tell you it is the body's survival mechanism. So people will tell me that they're in starvation mode because they're eating too little, all right? And having been stupid lean and, like, competed in the photo shoots and, like, dieted to unhealthy levels, I can tell you that you're not in starvation mode just by how you're talking to me. Mm because you're in the room. If you were eating too little calories, all right, if you're eating too little and you've been eating too little for such a long period of time, your mind is not where you are. Your mind is somewhere else. It's not even there. Mm. So when it comes to when it comes to people telling me that, you can already tell you can already tell by just talking to them that they're not. Yeah. But they've Googled it and, all right, well, I'm not losing weight and I'm tracking 1,200 calories. So, therefore, I must, must be in starvation mode. All right. So, if we actually look at it from a, a non-skeptical um, point of view, and they actually are eating, let's say 1,500 calories because 1,200 is a bit, bit low. Mm. They're eating 1,500 calories, all right, their maintenance might be 2,000 when they first started dieting. They're eating 1,500 calories. They lost a little bit of weight. It's now stalled. All right. They've been eating 1,500 for three months and the weight's not changed. Okay. Why is that? Well, to them, would it be starvation mode? Okay. What if it's not starvation mode? So say, say it again. Say it again. So they've been eating 1,500 calories. Mm -hmm. all right. Their maintenance was 2,000 when they started. Yeah. All right. So they're in a a pound, they're essentially losing a pound of body fat a week or should be when they first start dieting but now they've been dieting for the last for the last three months of dieting they've eaten 1500 calories religiously they've actually like that's what they're eating but they're no longer losing body fat or losing weight why well i guess generally in a calorie deficit you are restricting energy and i think naturally your body's going to slow down so could be potentially because they think they're moving more than they are, but they're not. But also, 
I mean, three months of dieting in a fat loss phase, aren't you normally supposed to have a break after that? Like, it, for me, like, if someone's not giving me any red flags that they're struggling on their dieting phase, then I wouldn't give them a, I wouldn't give them a break. You wouldn't give them a break? No. Like, the, the longest I dieted was 11 months. Jeez, that's a long time. Good on you. It sucked. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> And that's that's how I know. Like, if I, if I was if anybody was ever going to be in starvation mode, it would be a bodybuilder, mm. like going for a competition. Whereas if you look at some of the best bodybuilders in the world, they're still losing weight, like even though they're stupid lean and eating. Like I know, and I've had people who've competed on eight hundred calories yep. because they're small, female, and like forty five kilos. Yeah, eight hundred calories. God. Couldn't even imagine. Oh, yeah. Like, suck. Yeah, freaking hell. still lost weight. Well, I mean, that's the main thing, eh? Yeah. So, but that's why I don't do it anymore because it is unhealthy. Like, I hated it. caused me an eating disorder. So, the reason that people, like, might in that position, oh. 1,500 calories, 500 below maintenance, for the last three months, they've not lost any weight. The reason they're probably not losing calories is because, as you said, like, They've probably stopped moving as much. So the calories that they're burning on a day-to-day basis, that energy expenditure is going, is going to come down. Mm-hmm. So their deficit obviously gets smaller because of that. And then because of that initial weight loss before the last three months, their maintenance would have dropped anyway because maintenance is calculated by um, body weight. Mm-hmm. So their maintenance by losing body uh, by losing body fat to start with probably brought them down to 1900 for example and then if they if their steps drop from 10,000 to 600 mm. then maintenance might be 16 1700 now comes down and then obviously stress levels become higher so water retention is going to be increased so there's going to be a lot of factors that influence why they're not losing any body fat or mm. sorry why they're not losing any weight and their deficit is probably so little that it would take a month to even notice a pound of fat. But because these people are regular people, like the people we train, they are just people who go to work, diet a little bit, <laughs> want to lose a little bit of weight, weight and train, they're not going to be so consistent and so driven and motivated to plough through that flat plateau to be like, all right, well, if I take my weight from a month ago to now, what's a pound? Mm they're going to react negatively to that plateau and then be like, all right, well, I might as well just have a read. Or I might just not go to the gym because I'm so unmotivated because my weight's not changing. And what happens, what started with, oh, I'm in starvation mode, ends up with them completely sacking their diet off because of all these negative connotations that come come with it. Mm. Because they hit a plateau and everybody's like, fuck's sake, I'm going to quit then. I guess it is when someone's initially starting a weight loss journey, like they do see results quicker. And then I guess, you know, the more weight you lose and I, and like what you're saying, like at the start, it's fucking great because you are seeing weight loss at a, let's just say like a faster pace compared to when you've got the last few little, like I work in kgs or whatever, you know, pounds to lose. Like that is the hardest freaking part. And trying to push through a phase where you're not seeing the results or the like kind of faster weight loss pace that you had originally in the start can be freaking hard and like you said demotivating 
hence why people can go off track and then like you said sacking their diet altogether yeah i mean i think the the easiest way way for anybody to explain starvation mode is to just look at sort of previous history mm. or even recent history in terms of like you look at all the oxfam and water aid sort of adverts you see on tv and you see the kids in Africa who have got little access to food and aren't putting fat on at a rate of knots. All right, because they'll eat and their body will utilize that fuel because it needs it. And then they will still lose weight because they're not eating enough. Mm. Right. And you've got all, all these kids in Africa who are sadly dying because they're not getting enough nutrition. And if starvation mode was a thing, the fact that they ate, their body would simply increase the metabolism to store that as body fat. That's what starvation mode is meant to be. It's that um, that protective mechanism where they store everything for a later use. But these kids aren't. No. And then if you look at even sort of going back to the olden days, the black and white days, like, and you look at the Holocaust, all right, as horrific as that was, we can look at that and see those those people in those camps, how thin they were, how unbelievably um, malnourished they were. Mm. As soon as they, they, they ate, they didn't become fat. Yeah. So whilst it's horrific to think about, like I definitely don't think we should ever forget those kind of things in life, but... It's horrific to think about, but those standards as testament to the fact that starvation mode does not exist. Yeah. And all that's happening when people think they're in starvation mode is, one, they've stopped moving because they have less energy. Two, they've hit a plateau because their weight has dropped so much that their deficit is now non-existent. And then three, they probably hit a plateau, had a negative effect from that from a mental perspective and be like, all right, well, I'm just going to sack it off for a bit. Mm. But I think when people hit a plateau, I think that's a great way to practice maintenance. Yeah, and it's good to be at maintenance. It means you can eat a bit more. Yeah. People just don't realise that maintenance would increase weight. Mm. And that's where people sort of, that's why, like, you'll see someone lose weight. They'll lose, like, 10 kilos. And then they'll start eating at maintenance again and then put on a kilo and a half, which is just like... Will be stored carbohydrates, water, maybe a, a food volume and roughage within the stomach and, and intestines and stuff. And then be like, oh, I'm putting weight on. And then it's like, I need to diet again. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to stop the cycle of. True. And I think when you've been dieting for so long, like, you know, we can calculate maintenance calories, but it's all trial and error. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know, if you, if you have a set of maintenance calories, and you can consistently see that you're putting on weight, then maybe they're not your exact maintenance calories. And again, it's about, you know, trial, error, finding out kind of where you sit so that ultimately you can stay at a maintenance that doesn't allow you to put on weight. Yeah, absolutely. I think with when it comes to maintenance, I think everybody's everybody's scared of it because of the skills. Mm. Like I've just got clients who I just don't weigh anymore. Yeah, no. Nah. The the see such a, a negative image when they look at that number and it has absolutely no reflection on how they look, what kind of person they are, etc. 
Just gonna have to get the dot ones up. You can edit it out. That was super aggressive on the dollar. Um, just someone dropping a basketball. Huh. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's such a negative negative connotation to weight these days and it's still I don't think it's getting any better mm. I don't think it's in people's heads I don't I I don't use scare weight I mean it's there if they want to use it but it's probably the last thing I would ever use for my clients just because the scales may not go down or they may have this fixation on a, a number but they could be making freaking amazing progress they could be fitting into clothes they could be stronger they could be feeling like they're looking more defined and the scales may not go down. And I'm like, if you're making all this other progress, are you going to let that shitty little number deflate you and demotivate you? And will you start thinking, what's the point in all this? No. So I think it's a measure and it's a tool that can be used. But for me personally and my clients, I, I, I don't really look at it. Yeah. I think it's, it's only, it's only applicable to some of my clients really. Mm. Um, so I, like you said, I, I try to, I try to get everybody to either weigh very seldomly or every day, just so that you can educate them about the fluctuations and stuff. But it's what it is. Um, but I think hopefully we've managed to convince people that starvation mode isn't a thing. Well, definitely done a good job of it. That's for sure. I think when you when you reference everything to um, the Holocaust, I mean, it really hits hard. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. And you've got a bloody ton of knowledge, which I think is freaking amazing. And it's good to get two perspectives on like topics like these. Yeah, I think I think it hits a little hard when when we speak about something that is female orientated. Even mm. though I do work with a lot of female, it's nice to have a female perspective on how you first got into it and how, how you see it as well, rather than me just being like, oh, this is what my clients do. And that probably helps females listening as well, because as yeah. much as obviously you're freaking knowledgeable, you're talented and you know what you're talking about, sometimes when you hear things from a female being a female, I don't know, you feel like you can relate a bit more. Yeah. And I think it's it's really empowering for people to hear something like you saying, "All right, well, I want bigger quads. I don't like. I, it's not like you don't like your quads, but I want bigger quads, mm. and I still want bigger quads, and I still want to train to get bigger quads." And I think people look at yourself and and me and be like, "Well, you're the finished article." I'm like, I don't think that's ever the case. Never, ever. I think it's I think it's refreshing to it's refreshing for people like ourselves and the people we look up to and and the people we learn off to be vulnerable and be like, actually, yeah, I hold my hands up. Like, I struggle sometimes. And that obviously then allows people to resonate with us and be like, oh, well, I struggle with this too. Mm. I was like, ah, let's be friends. <laughs> I think that's so important. And I, you know what I mean? I, I'd rather be like that because, you know, like we spoke about, everyone's always going through shit. Like, you, you just don't know what it could be. And if something that we speak about 
make someone feel not so alone or think, you know, I don't feel like a freaking weirdo because I know X, Y, and Z has talked about it or felt like this. Like, I, I think that's so important because like we said, not a lot of people have, you know, support networks or maybe they don't know someone going through what they are, but yeah. hopefully, you know, we can help with that. Yes. Even if we help one pe- one person, then that's more than enough for me. 100%. I'm exactly the same. One person is one person. Yep. Um, I think that's that's brilliant. Um, hopefully we'll get to do this again. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm sure we'll uh, arrange something. Yes. Um, and thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Paul. I'll talk to you later. Cheers, Charles. Bye. Catch up. Bye.